0: Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Saying Media Podcast Season 2. I have a new guest, the man, OGZ, dreamy OGZ, the guy that's in front of the camera, gaming really hard, the jet main. (laughs) Welcome, Omar, to the podcast. I
1: appreciate you inviting me, Vincent.
0: Yes, sir. Anytime. I look forward to having you here because if you guys don't know Omar, I met him probably about five months on Discord, not even in person. Um, we just started casually gaming on this game called Valorant when it was new at the time. And uh, we played a customs with each other. And then next thing you know, we started just playing ranked a lot with each other. Um, And then we just got to talking a lot more. We got into a group chat, and then we met each other in person for, I believe, the first time we met was Korean barbecue. Yep. Yep. And then, dude, when I heard about, like, all the stuff that you do, I was like, I want to get him on the podcast because, one, you take on the hobby of photography, right? Because yes. you talk to me and our mutual friend, Jordan, about that type of stuff. If- you went to college, same college as us, VCU, mm-hmm. went through the fraternity life and, like, being diverse, using your major as well. And mm-hmm. then now you're working a nine-to-five with your major as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also in the military, yes. which I didn't know until recently. I was like, dang, you're really? doing so much. and I, um, And we got some things to talk about because he was actually <laughs> deployed to the capital when all that stuff was going down yeah so I'm pretty sure you got some amazing stories to yeah talk I got about. I
1: got a lot to say about yep.
0: that but I just wanted to bring you on here just to talk about basically you like how is it like like getting out of college working that nine to five and then like trying to pick up all these other things at the same time
1: yeah so I You know, I I consider myself a renaissance man, not to toot my own horn. Uh, I've been doing a lot ever since I've been uh, a freshman in in college. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, grew up just like everyone else in Northern Virginia. I decided I wanted to get out of the house. Mm. Uh, So of all the schools that I got accepted into, uh, you know, from uh, GMU to JMU, uh, I was actually even considering VMI. Um, I decided to go to VCU. Uh, Why? Because my brother was there. And I was like, okay. Uh, I visited him once or twice while he was down here. He's uh, a lot older than you and I, about four or five years older. So, okay. never in college when we were in college. But I got to visit him a few times uh, while he was down there. I really liked Richmond. um, So ultimately, when I got accepted, I was like, all right, this is the place I'm going to go to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, When I got down to Richmond, uh, you know, it's just like. The, the floodgates opened in terms of uh, what I wanted to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, So when I initially uh, went to VCU, um, I was actually a nursing major. Really? Uh, yeah. So oh, okay. I did nursing uh, for about two years. I got accepted into the program. I, I worked my ass off um, to get into that program because, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, and as anyone knows, uh, nursing overall is just extremely competitive. Yeah. Um, and VCU specifically, there's only 100, uh, 100 seats um, available per year. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of who they accept, uh, the majority is obviously going to be white females, is, is typically where the majority goes to. Mm. Um, so, me being a brown male um, sort of increased my chances in terms of diversity because they do do a lot of diversity, um, I guess, hires for lack of a better term. Oh. Um, so, I had uh, a 3 5 GPA when I was going into the program. Um, yeah. and you need at least a three, six, uh, but uh, me yeah. being who I was, uh, a three, five was acceptable. Yeah. Um, so when I finally got into the program, you know, I was, I was amazed at what I was about to do. I was like, Oh shit, you know, I'm about to be a nurse. Yeah. yeah. And I was, uh, primarily going into ER. So I was done, I was doing a lot of volunteering and shadowing. Uh, at the hospital as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew what I wanted to do, which was emergency, uh, the emergency room. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I actually started the nursing program, I realized this is not what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a little too rigorous for me, and I, I lost my passion while I was doing it. hmm So transferred out of that, uh, and then I actually ended up double majoring in Homeland Security and Sociology. Mm. Um, Damn, double major. Yeah, yeah, I double major. Okay, Um, overachiever.
0: All right. (laughs) No,
1: I wasn't okay with just one. I wanted to get at least two. I wanted to make something out of. What I had, um, and I was already, I already knew that I was going to be staying there for an extended period of time.
0: Okay, yeah. so
1: uh, I was supposed to graduate in May of 2019. I didn't end up leaving till December of 2019, um, but it was worth it because I got my double major. Yeah. Um, and now what I do for a career is I recruit for Capital One, um, and that's a, you know it's a bit of an interesting career path uh, because you don't exactly uh, envision some of that double major in sociology and homeland security in in HR setting, but that's where I ended yeah. up and it's what I enjoy doing for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I would like to venture elsewhere, preferably somewhere in New York City, uh, but we will see. Yeah. Um now in terms of what I was actually doing in college, um now why I call myself a Renaissance man is because I was picking up a bunch of hobbies left and right while I was down there. Uh-huh. So like you mentioned earlier, I was in a fraternity. Uh, I was my fraternity's DJ. Um, yeah. So I was doing a lot while I was down there. Dang,
0: DJ Omar. Yeah, I was, okay. I, 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 I was,
1: I was pretty clean with it, man. I was pretty clean with it. Um, I, I had a lot of fun doing DJ. Uh, and then, you know, out of nowhere, so one thing you should know about me, one thing everyone that's listening should know about me is that I'm very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want something, I'm probably going to go out and do it right then and there. Yeah. Um, now, thankfully, I have the funds to support my spontaneous actions, whereas yeah. in college it wasn't necessarily the case. However, uh, I was, you know, shooting the shit, watching a YouTube video, saw something about photography. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's something that I could get into. So then I was like, you know what, screw it. Um, at that time, I was, I was a server at Cheesecake Factory. So I was making a sufficient amount of money, enough yeah. to support what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So, went out and bought uh, a simple Nikon uh, DSLR. Um it didn't have any lenses or anything. Um and I was oh just the body. It was no, it was a body and, and a kit lens. kit lens. So you okay. just had the, you know, the 18 to 55, very standard. Um, you know, 2.4 aperture, you know, you know the jazz. Um, yeah. So, got the camera um and all I was doing literally for five, six hours a day was watching YouTube videos on how to use this camera, mm-hmm. uh, you know, learning the ins and outs of this camera. Whereas my girlfriend at the time, she was actually in a, uh, a photography major. So she was teaching me a lot as well. Yeah. But I was learning primarily through YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I will learn something, you know, maybe let's say something about aperture, aperture settings, uh, you know, adjusting ISO. I will learn these terminologies how to use them and then i would go out and actually apply them whether it be Tough. with one of my friends uh you know something with the city you live in richmond so everything is a city there uh maybe nature uh and then i was applying what i was learning through youtube mm-hmm. in a photography setting yeah so you know a few months later i'm, I'm getting really into it I, I i really find that i have a creative eye for photography um it, it wasn't something that i was struggling with at all um and so I was getting really into it and really passionate about it. Not enough to transition my major into photography, but just enough to keep it as a hobby. Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually had a Volkswagen GTI at the time that would auto lock. Uh, you would leave the car, uh-huh. you would walk ten, 10 feet away, and it would lock. Yeah. Sometimes it was a 2010, so sometimes it was, it was a little finicky. Um, so I left all my photography gear. It was easily over $1,000 at the time yeah. uh, worth of photography gear. Left it in the backseat of my car, uh, went to go sleep, woke up the next morning, and I go to my my car, and I noticed something was off. Oh,
0: God. The
1: first thing I noticed, so I don't smoke cigarettes, the first thing that I noticed was that there was a cigarette butt in the driver's seat, Uh and I thought, at first, I kind of dismissed it. I don't know why it was there, but I dismissed it, and then I'm looking for my camera, because I was about to take a picture of my car. I was looking for my camera, couldn't find it. I'm like, huh, I could have sworn I left it here the night before. Look, all over my house wasn't there. Yeah, And then it finally clicked in my head, someone stole my stuff. Yeah. Someone, you know, walked into my car and stole everything. Yeah, yeah. So that really, um, and at the time, I wasn't making enough money to where I was comfortable uh, buying another camera. And I wasn't uh, necessarily passionate enough to buy another camera, you know, drop another $1,000 to go out and get another camera and do all that again. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right. My camera was stolen. It sucked at the time, but I got over it. Mm-hmm. So then I actually ended up back. Um, once I graduated, I got my nine to five. I was making a decent amount of money. Um, I ended up buying another camera, it was the Canon SL2. Yeah. Um, and this time I was actually a little bit more serious about it because um, prior to then I only had the kit lens and, and the 70 to 300. Yeah. So this time I was actually serious. So I bought the Nifty 50. Um and I've been doing ever since I bought the Nifty 50. I've been doing portrait lenses ever since. Um uh, portraits are my favorite photography option out of all of them. Uh I would say a close second is street photography. Yeah. Uh which I actually am going to get an 85 for for street photography.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, so
1: this summer I'm going to Turkey. Uh, in Pakistan, and I'll be doing a lot of street photography. Oh, those are going
0: to be crisp and clean. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to end up getting an 85, 1.4. It is a lot more money than a 1.8. Yeah. Um, Because I do also want to get a 35 uh, for some of those wide-angle lenses Mm -hmm. or wide-angle shots. Yeah. So um, that's where I was in terms of photography. But uh, one thing that no one knows about me, um, while I was in college, I was balancing three jobs and also doing full-time. Uh, really? Classes, yeah. So uh, I, was, I was working close to 70 hours a week um, while I was in college. Um, and that was honestly just because um, I like to classify myself as a workaholic. You know, I like to work a lot. I like to be doing things with my hands. I, I don't like to be lounging around all day. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we're playing Valorant, it's a completely different story. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, that's a nine to five
1: right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But <laughs> when I was in college, you know, I was balancing out my fraternity, my full time jobs. Um, and also my fraternity and full time school. Yeah. So I was doing a lot. Um, if anyone ever wanted to hang out with me, it was very rare that I was able to accommodate that. Why? Because I was just always extremely busy, primarily in the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I was working as a recruiter for a company called Snag a Job. Uh, we did a lot of things with grocery stores uh, and selling our own products. Hourly workers, uh, things like that. Sure. That was my my you know Monday through Thursday nine to five. On the weekends, um, and I was usually working about 35 hours Friday through Sunday at Cheesecake Factory, um, you know, pulling double shifts, doing a lot of that nature. And it was the Cheesecake and Short Pump. Um, So I was doing that as a server, which was funny that they hired me because the last time I was a server was when I was 15. So it had been, you know, five, six years since I was a server. And they require at least one to two years of serving experience. I only had the one year. Yeah. So I, I I just applied to you know to apply and they were like screw it uh, we're bringing you on. I was like okay. Yeah. So it was it was a, it was a struggle to begin with working at Cheesecake. Um, but it was ultimately one of the best jobs I ever had. Why? Because of the coworkers um, mm. and friendships that I had developed over there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a consistent twelve-hour shit show of dealing with customers and making good money and sometimes. A good amount of times getting stiffed, you know, getting three dollars on on a sixty dollars tab or, oh. or or fifteen bucks on a hundred dollars tab. So yeah. that happened quite a lot. But the velocity of the amount that you were serving was so frequent that you were ended up that you ended up making at least two hundred dollars per day oh, okay. per night. Yeah. So if you were working a double shift, uh, which is you know, I usually worked Sunday doubles, so I was working ten in the morning till. One o'clock at night, Oh one o'clock in the morning, right? Jeez. So I, I worked that shift and I would at least make 300 to $400 a day. Yeah. So I was making very, very good money uh, mm-hmm. while I was serving. Granted, yeah. a lot of it was going towards bills, my car, because I had bought a brand new car, car insurance, mm-hmm. um, my house rent, um, and paying off a little bit of my school as well. So yeah. I was making a lot of money for a college student. But a lot of it was also not in my bank account at a consistent amount of time. And also, I was in a fraternity, so you know, we're going to drink a lot. So a lot of my money was going towards alcohol as well. Yeah. yeah. So balancing three jobs, working um, on a full-time student schedule, also being in the Army. So my third job, so I had the first job, which was the recruiter. The second job, was, which was the server. And then I was balancing my third job, you know, quote unquote job, which was being in the National Guard. Yeah. So when people think of the National Guard, uh, a thing that they often quote is weekend warriors, right? Because you're only working one weekend a month. Yeah. And I tell people that it's quite opposite of that, right? Because our tempo, so we work on a five-year deployment schedule, deployment timeline. Mm -hmm. So every five years, our unit deploys, so working up to that five years, um, your tempo increases ever so slightly. So while I was there in college, it was, the tempo was at an all-time high because our unit is actually deploying this year. Thankfully, I get out, uh, I ETS six months after the deployment starts, so I don't need to go on the deployment. Nevertheless, the tempo was all the way at an all-time high because they wanted to get ready for a deployment. They didn't know where the deployment was going to be. We do know now. But they were thinking something along the lines of Afghanistan or Iraq, Mm -hmm. some sort of, uh, you know, uh, extreme combat deployment. And I am in the infantry as well, so we have to maintain a certain certain status of combat readiness at all times. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what infantry is, it's basically just you know ground combat, combat operations. Uh, basically, you just have to be a master at shooting, knowing how to shoot a weapon, knowing how to seize uh, objectives on ground in country, things of that nature. It's it's very strenuous on the body, and you have to be very very uh, vigilant. Uh, in terms of what you're doing and also maintain a certain physical standard as well, right mm-hmm. you can't be four hundred pounds and be an infantryman why because you're gonna be running around in armor plates uh, with your rifle around everywhere yeah so you have to you have to have a discipline in, in physical standards you have to be sharp with your weapon you have to, we were calling every every month we had to shoot at least once a month They wanted us to be very sharp behind the weapon so mm-hmm. um you know, people were saying weekend wars. Well, I'm like, well, that's the complete opposite of what I was doing. Why? Because I was working at least four to five days a month, which by the way, these four to five days that you're working out of the month, it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're actually there working 24 hours per day for five days, it takes a lot out of you physically and mentally. So that I had that going on. And then I had all those jobs. I had School and then finally I graduated, so I had I, I was able to quit the jobs. I was able to you know leave my fraternity behind. I still love everyone in my fraternity, yeah. Um, and I'm still somewhat active in the fraternity, but I don't have any sort of obligations financially or any of that nature towards the fraternity. So it, it was a huge weight off my shoulders graduating college and going to my nine to five. Yeah, um, yeah. where it's I know what I'm going to be doing every day. Um, I know what my schedule is going to look like every day. Um, and then, of course, you mix in the National Guard at least, you know, uh, a few days out of the month. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a more stable schedule now as compared to what I did in college. Yeah. So it's a lot more calm for me things now. And I'm able to accommodate people. That's how you and I are able to go to Korean barbecue and, and drink those, you know, tall beer towers. Colors, yeah.
0: <laughs> Whereas
1: in college, that wasn't necessarily so possible. But now it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's kind of crazy that you explained all this because I would have never known until you just explained your story right now. And like that literally shows a lot of people that like you have the capacity of putting the typical college grind, right? There's Mm -hmm. some people that like, don't get me wrong, everyone like has their own challenges within college, right? Absolutely. But there's people that Um, have the privilege, I would guess, I guess I would say, to just like go to college and just focus on college, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they could just focus on the degree that they want to do and they don't need to worry about working or they're not really worried about going into any extracurricular activities. Maybe Mm -hmm. they just want to join those clubs but just be a club member, right? Yeah. But, You know, there's people like you that worked like, three jobs, quote-unquote, two, and a quote-unquote job. But that is basically a job because you had to, like, train yourself and make sure you're maintained the whole entire time, right? And, like, I really commend you for that because, you know, even if your parents did help you or maybe they didn't help you, right, you put it onto yourself to be like, hey, I got this new car. Hey, I have rent. I want to make sure I pay it on my own time, right? And it's like I have these obligations with my fraternity, my job, and my major, right? Yes. I get to choose my free time and what I want to do. So that's why I didn't really have that luxury to hang with other people. Like they're like, Oh, come on, you're in college. Just hang out. And he's like, no, like I want to go to these events yes. because I want, I'm a part of this organization and I want to go to these events yeah. or I need to do this job because I need to pay the bills at that end of the day type of thing. Yes. And that's very commendable because I had no clue. Like I said, yeah. and
1: that's like, and, it, and it's not something that I open up to people about because you know, what am I going to do talking in a discord, talking about me being, In three jobs. It's not really a talking point. Yeah. It's just something that I maybe here and there bring up in conversation. If people, you know, call me lazy or something like that. Well, it's the complete contrary, actually. The complete opposite of lazy. I was working my ass off every single day in college. And you are right. It is a privilege to be in college and not have to worry about paying anything. Um, and people often don't necessarily take advantage of that. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, sometimes that is okay because uh, sometimes people don't really know what they want to do in college. Uh, whereas I did know what I wanted to do in college and I knew how to get there. The only thing that I struggled with is the finances, yes. the financial portion of that. Um, because my car, so I had a GTI, a red GTI, and it was completely kitted out. So one thing you don't know about me and one thing a lot of people don't know You're about into me. cars, huh? I am into cars uh. and I am a very big adrenaline junkie. I live for adrenaline. So my car I had spent well, well north of six thousand dollars onto it uh, in terms of yeah in terms of aftermarket parts. So it was a six-speed Volkswagen GTI. Uh tornado red was the color. It was very, very beautiful. This thing was flying. And so I wasn't just gonna let this car sit in my garage in my driveway. Yeah. I was going to take advantage of the of the aftermarket parts that I put into it, and so the, into the into large turbo that I put into it, the exhaust. Yeah. So I was doing what adrenaline junkies love to do: street race. Yeah. So I was street racing quite often with my car. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of these street races took place in Richmond, primarily on Broad Street or on Ninety Five, where there weren't any cops. Uh-huh. Right. Street racing is not exactly legal, by the way. So. I had gotten to the point where I was destroying my car. I mean, naturally, street racing isn't going to be healthy for your car. So yeah. a lot of maintenance. Absolutely, yeah. So I was doing oil changes every one and a half months. Um, it was kind of ridiculous. It was, it was a very, very big expense on my part yeah. because I was, I was driving it so rigorous, rigorously yeah. and so aggressively to where it would need to be consistently maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, parts changed here and there. Oils changed every one and a half months. Gas was a huge expense. Uh, that car was not cheap at all on gas. It was a premium car. You had to put premium gas in it. Jesus. And I had to fill it at least every other day.
0: Oh, God. And so that
1: was $30 every other day. Jeez. So that car was a huge expense on me, but yeah. I loved it. I loved driving it. It was just a beautiful car all around. Until one day, I just drove it a little too hard and it poofed out on me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, back to my original point. College was uh, a big expense on me, big, big for me financially, but I was able to get through it. And I, and I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew how to get there financially, uh, objectively, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so, now, in terms of, you know, photography and all these other hobbies that I picked up, when you're so busy, you want to find something that you want to escape in, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't just work the entire time and expect to be happy. That's not how it works. Yeah. So my escape was through music when I was DJing for my fraternity. And I would DJ on the side, too, actually. I would, I would create my own music, and, that, and then I would just, you know, for fun, I would have my speakers. Um, if it was a nice summer day, I would, I would go onto my balcony, uh, plug in, plug in my speakers, Um and, and sort of just do my own mix yeah, and, you know, have a good time, you know, have a drink here and there, have a good time. yeah. And then for photography, it would be my escape creatively. So if I mm. ever was feeling like an itch to be creative or, or do something rather than just lounge and, and sleep and wait for my shift to start, I would go out, take a few pictures of my friends, my dogs, um, things of that. Uh, of that nature and then i would have fun that way you know and so it was it was a big thing on me when my camera got stolen because that was one of the things that i used as an escape um and and so when it got stolen it was like well shit now yeah. what do i do with my time it's like so a huge change yeah there. so i uh, at that point i was focusing primarily on on just like music and i even picked up um drawing. Oh, you tough. Know, Yeah, so I, I draw here and there. Yeah. Um, I, I even have a few pictures that probably can't find them now. But uh, I do do drawing on the side. Um, not something I'm, I'm huge on and I'm not necessarily... I'll put some
0: in the video here <laughs> if you
1: can atten- Yeah, if I, if I can find some, I'll yeah. definitely send them to you. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not great. I'm not bad either. You know, I'm not yeah. going to draw a stick it's, man it's and label it as art. Like yeah. express out. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um and another thing uh what got me through college was my best friend her name is Amy Anderson uh abs- my absolute rock uh Tough. I love that chick to death um and I, I try to talk to her at least uh, you know once or twice a week uh you know we're both very busy people yeah. um so communication is not as effective as it possibly can be but that's the life of being consistently I mean, busy yeah, it, yeah. you're not you're not going to be talking to him every day you're not going to be face him 4 hours a night yeah. that's just not reality so and 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 the benefit of being best friends is that we understand our busy schedules. Yeah. So uh, with her being in Richmond with me, um, it was it was a huge benefit to me because yeah. if I was if I, if I was ever feeling down, I would just you know text her, hey man, uh, you want to go grab a drink with me? Yeah. So we were spending a lot hold of money on together. Second.
0: Omar, hold that thought. We're about to hit the halftime break. Okay. To- Get us some water sure. for the fans to get some water to maybe a snack. <laughs> Let the camera rest a little bit. Um, so hold that thought. We'll be right back. Um, take 30 seconds to a minute and I'm going to take this time to also welcome that sponsors are still being looked for. If you want to sponsor this podcast or any other type of things that we do. Um, I have a huge network of creative friends. There's huge things that I do. You know, you could sponsor us. We could do like a photography shoot, a video with a sponsorship. We could do a talk about it in a podcast and stuff like that. So let us know, sponsors. Just email me on my contact below and uh, we'll see you in a bit. And we are back hope you got that water that snack brought another friend to listen to the podcast or something for these interesting stories so where we left off you were talking about um basically catching up with your best friend and trying to talk with her when you can um based off you know busy work schedules and stuff like that yeah
1: absolutely uh and that's one thing that i want to um sort of leave off on is is having friends in college is very important to your mental well-being and, and just your overall sanity. Yeah. Because uh, college is no joke. You know, uh, people pressure you to go into college. You know, some people don't even want to go to college. Yeah. Some people go into college not knowing what they want to do, uh, which is, you know, um, very, very uh more often, I guess, uh, than you think, is, is people going into into these big colleges paying thousands of dollars and not knowing what they want to do. So, having hobbies, having friends that you can rely on is a huge thing uh, for your mental well being because co- college is very stressful. You know, it's 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 a lot on a person. You're 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 grinding all these classes. You have to go to the library consistently to study all these classes. Yep. You have to make sure that your your thousands of dollars are not going to waste. Yep. Yep. So. By having all these friends, it, it just, you know, helps a little bit more towards your, your mental well-being and, and, and just overall ensuring you're successful in, in your endeavors. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I completely agree with that. Like, all your stories that you just said, like, it kind of just brought college back to me and stuff like that. And everything you're saying is absolutely true. Like, for everyone, it's different, right? Um, like we said, because you were one of the workaholics, I would consider myself as one of the workaholics, too. Yeah. Because... Um, before I went to VCU, right, I was working a job helping my dad with rent. Mm-hmm. And I was doing 15 credits of class at the time. And I was balancing a girlfriend at the time, too, that had her yeah. own job. And, I, like, she didn't know how to drive yet, so I was driving her right. and stuff like that. And then, like, transferring over is like, oh, I'm not doing as much yeah. as I want anymore. So I dived myself into multiple organizations, took the leadership p- positions, yeah. and I ended up working again, even though yeah, I you, thought... You were you were in fact, right? Yeah, I was in fact. I was in a fraternity at the time, too. You were in a fraternity. I was in a fraternity. A social fraternity. I was in a yeah, social, social fraternity for about a, two years. At then, VCU? At VCU. Really? What fraternity? I was in SIGEP and then. Oh, really? Yeah, and then wow. I, I left after a year and a half because um, I was trying to basically figure myself out and everything. Yeah. And, um, How was that? It was really good. I really loved the brothers there. Like, I will always consider them brothers and yeah. like, they were really understand, understanding but, with me
1: leaving and stuff like that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but SIGEP eventually disbanded, right, into PiCap.
0: Um No. So, SIGAP used to be one of the biggest campus, um, fraternities yeah. on campus. And then um a fallout happened, basically, where the older members didn't really care about the future anymore okay. of the members. Interesting. So, um they got flagged from, a, I think, a report from another fraternity, and mm-hmm. they basically had to disband and start anew. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we, when I was joining at the time, we were kind of like the group that was trying to help regrow it at the time. I see. Okay. And then I had some personal things going on. Like I was diving more into my creative endeavors. I was taking on a lot at the same time where my GPA was not in the standards too. And they, they were understanding of that, like I could have worked my way back up and stuff like that. But also my financial things weren't there yet. Right. Got you. So I was like. I'm gonna take a step back, and I also want to focus on what, like, what I really want to do, which is creative stuff. So I was like, let me take a step back. But no matter what, that year and a half to two years of experience I have with them, I well, will never forget it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, starting my new organization with a bunch of friends too. Like, we started Blank at VCU. Okay. Uh, and, oh, the dancing group. Um, no, that's Blank Canvas. Oh, oops. So Blank is a creative organization that we made. Um, where basically we want to make sure you're able to collaborate with other creatives and make sure you feel like you're free and yeah. you don't feel like you're limited and you're alone in the creative realm because you know how like vcu is a very um it's an art school right yes. but there fe- there feels like there's like a standard where like the people who are just starting are scared of the people who are the quote unquote professionals yeah. right so we want to make it feel like a more welcoming free environment interesting type of thing. okay So, yeah, I was like, I could really relate with all what you're saying because it's true. You need your friends, right? You need that creative outlet. You need those different type of outlets because college is not easy. Like, don't, don't get, don't listen to all the stereotypes and like all the, what the adults say is like, Oh, it's just college. Like just go to school. Blah, yeah. blah You're still dealing with mental stress. You're still dealing with all those credits. All those te- teachers are putting assignments at the same time, final projects at the same time yes. while you're trying to balance social life, your family life, and the pressure of, like you said, Oh shoot, I have all these loans to pay off and yeah. stuff like that. So,
1: yes. And, and, and that's one thing that people don't realize that are much older than us. Uh, you know, the quote unquote boomers of the older generations, they don't realize the, the stresses that our generation faces now. Why? Because, number one, college was vastly, vastly more inexpensive. It was in their times versus our times. Yes. Right? So VCU on average per year goes up 15% in, in tuition per year. And you can look at the numbers. You yeah. know, what my brother was paying back in 2011 versus what we were paying back in, or in, in 2015, vastly different in terms of uh, cost. And, yeah. you know, uh, cost of living and, and, and things of that nature. Not to mention um, one of the biggest scams, in my personal opinion, is is textbooks uh, that they, re- they they release new editions every single year. Um, yeah. And you have to pay $300 for that new edition yeah. and all of this All the professors are supporting only that new edition. They say, don't get the old one, get the new one. So you have to drop 300. And
0: those are the quote unquote, like on the book professors. Because you'll get the professors that'll be like, I recommend you get the new one. But if you get the old one, it's not going to make a difference. (laughs) So
1: these people that are forcing you to go to college, they don't realize, number one, how expensive it is. Number two, uh, I guess they forget how stressful it was when they were there. Um, but they didn't need to balance out jobs. They didn't need to do all these all these things to afford college. Whereas we have to. Uh, if you don't, if you get chipped out on FAFSA on your financial aid, a lot of people don't want to rely on loans yeah. uh, because those things will eat you. I know because I'm in one of those holes. Yeah, I took out a loan. Um for ten thousand dollars. Uh and that thing, if I didn't take care of it, was going to accrue and accrue and accrue. Mm-hmm. I was eventually going to have to pay twenty five thousand dollars on a ten thousand dollar loan, which is ridiculous. Yeah. That means you're paying fifteen thousand dollars in interest and ten thousand only on principal. Makes no sense to me, but these people are for profit. They're here to make money. They don't care about you. They don't care about your well being. They're here to make money. Yeah. So they don't care about the interest rates. People don't understand that. So My recommendation for people that that often ask about college and things of that nature is to figure out number one what you want to get into. Don't go into college with an empty mind. Figure out something that you want to focus on, whether Mm -hmm. it be healthcare, whether it be IT. Whether it be anything, creative, whatever it may be, focus on that and stick to it. And if you don't want to stick to it, that's completely okay. People change. People's ideas change. I changed. I was nursing, and then I changed into Homeland Security. I thought I was going to be working for the government. That didn't end up happening. Yeah. Um, so people change, ideas change, but have some sort of idea of what you want to do prior to going into college. Um, what you talked about, going to community college, I'm assuming at uh, Nova? Yeah, went to Nova. Yeah, so go to community college. It's it's honestly They much, give you more money. Yeah, back they give too. you a lot more money. You save a lot more money. You have a better idea of what you want to do. Um, and the classes are generally easier, but they also prepare you for what it's like to be in a university setting. Yep. So transitioning straight from high school into a four-year college is a big step. You're not necessarily prepared for it. If you're not an extroverted individual, you're going to have a hard time adjusting. Thankfully, I am an extroverted individual, so I didn't have too big of a time, too hard of a time to yep. adjust. Uh, there was a, a small adjustment period, you know, transitioning from living with my parents, relying on my parents, to relying on myself. So it is a it is an adjustment period, but I would recommend um, that you... Uh, You know, figure out what you want to do. Go to a community college if you have to. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, People try to shame people that go to community colleges. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's still college. You're still taking college credits and college classes that are going to ultimately transfer somewhere. So take your time, you know. Screw what everyone else has to say. Screw what the the typical timeline is. I graduated in five years. Uh, big whoop. You know, people try to graduate in four. I graduated in five. Do I care? No. I still um, walked out with a job and I'm making good money. So I'm happy with myself. Yeah. And everything is, like you said, it's timing. Don't Don't give a
0: F about what other people say, Absolutely. basically. And like... He, well, exactly what he said. If you want to go to community college, go ahead. Like if you need to think a little bit more, save a little bit more money before you go do jet ed and then you transfer. Absolutely, and then it, yes. if it's not for you, it's not for you type yeah. of thing. And you can get your associates, save money, get more. And it's also the other way too, where like, okay, maybe you did go to community college, but you're starting to realize you want to go to a university. Cause that's what mm-hmm. happened to me. Yes. I was like a year and a half in community college. I was like, yeah, I could, I could finish it off or I could just transfer early. I want to transfer early now yeah. type of thing. Cause I was like, for some people it's purely school right so if it's purely school i would say community college if you don't mind where you're, like the people that you're around and you just mm-hmm. want to do you community college and university but it also what i like to say is yes obviously college is quote unquote scam or a business right yes um it's about cuz that bachelor's degree is worth something right but since everyone's getting it it's more of like a stepping stone like a twenty thousand dollar stepping stone that you have to get when you could just go straight out of high school and take multiple jobs have be debt free and then work your way up with experience Mm -hmm. but it's up to you it's up to everyone like you everyone has a different path right yes and then one big thing that i take back from college and i think you could probably say the same is if it's not for your degree for the connections.
1: Absolutely. It's yes. for the
0: networking and it's for maturing too, right? Because you yes. you went straight out of um, high school, right, to college. Yep. So that's a really big thing. That's why a lot of freshmen tend to go wild, right? Because yes. it's like your first 10 sen- sense of freedom. But then you'll start learning your responsibilities like, oh, there's a rent bill. Oh,
1: there's an electricity bill yes. on top of
0: that. Oh, there's a utility bill on top of that. <clears throat> oh, there's a gas bill on top of that yeah. type of thing. Exactly. And, yeah. and
1: it's like, oh, and, and I was one of those freshmen that was going insane. I was I was doing everything and everything that I could. Mm-hmm. I was a borderline alcoholic. It was kind of ridiculous at one point how much I was drinking, but I had the freedom to do so. And, yeah. and, and, and in, so, in doing so, it, it made me who I am today. You know, my actions in my past five years in college made me a better person, made me more mature, made me realize more things in life. Yeah. Um, so if not for the degree then yes for the connections for the networking but ultimately for the growing experience for the growth that you uh endure during there because number one you're living by yourself if you go to a college away from your parents you're living by yourself so you're able to grow in that aspect yep. and then you meet a lot of friends you know you're out here surviving on your own so it, it is definitely a a maturing uh yeah a maturing Never experience mind. yeah cuz you definitely
0: i feel like with people who are quote-unquote privilege or sheltered, right? That's when you really realize how to become an adult because there is some people that, like, are in high school that already had to do their own laundry. They already Mm -hmm. had to know what the bill's life is like and stuff like that. So it wasn't that much of a shock with me when I transferred, Mm -hmm. but it's like the shock for me was, oh, my God, like, there's multiple people my age that are free that I could hang out with. That was a huge impact for me. So that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome college advice, Omar. But something I'm really excited to talk about that we've been texting each is like, yo, Vidi, this podcast is about to be fire. <laughs> um, might might be even being a part tour to this episode because this might be a longer episode. And I'm totally fine with that. Let's talk about your experience going to the Capitol, being deployed at the National Guard, defending against basically Trump supporters.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I, I guess the long and short of it is, is that, yeah, so the events that happened or that transpired on January 6th of 2021 were that uh, pro-Trump supporters raided and seized uh, the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. 24 hours later, uh, Ralph Northam, the governor of Virginia, called upon the National Guard 100% readiness to be activated and um Statewide and federally wide. So we were put on Title 32 orders. Uh, fun fact, uh, the last time anyone was put on Title 32 National Guard-wise was Hurricane Katrina. So this was the first time that has happened in 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big thing. You know, it's not something that's very small and it shouldn't be looked over. Yeah. So within 24 hours, uh, we were told. So basically the way it happened was the events happened, you know, at 4 o'clock in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. by 9 p.m that same day we were told to get your shit together pack up because you're going to dc so we said okay we knew it was coming we saw what was going on in the news we knew it was going to happen yeah so i packed up got my stuff ready um and then by five in the morning, I was out in my car to Charlottesville. So our uh, armory, our base of operations, is out in Charlottesville, which is about two and a half hours oh, away so from you here. Drive out yes. there. for So we have to drive out to Charlottesville because they have to give you your gear. They have to issue a bunch of stuff. They have to issue your gas mask, your night vision, your rifle, your ammunition so on and so forth that won't happen in dc because of all the laws and regulations that will happen in charlottesville Mm. so instead of driving directly to dc i drive to charlottesville and then we get all of our gear issued um so that happens within the first 24 hours by january 8th we were on ground in dc um And receiving our assignment, what we're going to be doing. Um, So we hadn't even received our um, hotel accommodations. We didn't even know if we were going to receive hotels. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what anything was going on. So uh, a pretty famous quote going into this is that we were the first to go and the last to know, which was very, very true. They threw us at everything, firstly. And we didn't even know what we were getting into. We would go to something and we're like, okay, what is it that we're going to right now? We don't know. that was a very often reoccurring theme throughout my entire month there. So I was actually there for a month. Mm. Um, So on January 6th at 9 p.m., they told us to pack for three days. Yeah. So we thought it was just going to be a simple mission, you know, get in, show force, get out. No. We ended up being there for over 30 days, uh, which in my mind is a little bit ridiculous. uh, Yeah. Because... For the large majority of we uh, of why we're there was a show of force, and for those of you that don't know what a show of force is, it's basically just an intimidation factor. Show, you know, show us uh, or show the world who's boss. You know, who's running the show. So by having eight to nine thousand troops with rifles, uh, loaded rifles on ground, you know, you're you're trying to send a message, and the message was indeed sent. Yeah. So I don't even remember where I left off. Uh, it was kind of where
0: um you went on ground and you were the last people to know because you just they yes. just like go here. But so you're like, yeah, why?
1: Yeah, so they're like go here. Well, why? We don't know, but just go. Okay. So w- the largest part and the main priority of our mission and my unit uh, was guarding the Capitol building. So for the first day or two while we were there, it was an extremely unique experience. Why? Because you're in the Capitol building. You're never going to get this opportunity again to float around in the Capitol building with a rifle, a loaded rifle. Never going to happen in my entire lifetime. I can guarantee you that. Although, who knows at this point. But um, So for the first 24 to 48 hours we were there, we were like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like we are in the Capitol building where laws are put into place where, you know, congressmen and congresswomen and senators are just walking about with their daily lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing is that we saw congresswomen and congressmen and senators and, and, and Senate aides and, and all of these congressional staffers every single day. Every day we saw someone new. Unfortunately, I never got to meet AOC. That was a big goal of mine, but I never got to achieve that, unfortunately. She was in New York for the majority of the time that we were in Washington, D.C. So Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to to meet her. We did get to meet several congressmen and congresswomen. Uh, We did get to meet uh, Mark Warner, who is one of the senators for Virginia. Uh, Abigail Spanberger, she is Virginia District 5, I believe, which is – which takes care of Henrico in Richmond, uh, didn't get to meet any of the congressional uh, staff or uh, congressional men or women uh, of the Northern Virginia area. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they are pretty busy people, um, but we did get to see them. Um, so that was a unique experience in that sense. Uh, we did become extremely jaded extremely quickly uh, because of the hours and just the overall situation that we were being put through. So our main objective, like I said, was guarding the Capitol building. Um, so now to preface all of this, there was at least five miles of barriers guarding the Capitol and and all of the National Mall. Yeah. No one was getting there even if they wanted to. You were not even coming within 15 miles with a gun. It was just simply not going to happen. You were going to get stopped by some sort of checkpoint, by some sort of federal agent, that would notice you and stop you prior to you even coming within a 20 to 15 mile radius of the national mall. Yeah. So they were destroying all threat prior to even happening. So we were all the way in the Capitol building and my unit consists of about 70 people. So we were charged of just guarding a certain sector of the Capitol. So the Capitol is huge, Yeah, you know, and, and the surrounding areas are huge. So, we would be, they, they would walk up to us like, all right, go guard here. Okay. Uh, for how long? We don't know. And so our typical shift would be anywhere from 2 a.m. to 2 p.m., although, you know, in the typical Army sense, it would never be solidified. Nothing in the Army was ever solidified. Yeah. Um, we didn't even have a solidified mission. We were just. They would tell us, "Okay, go swear in with the Secret Service." Okay, we would swear in with the Secret Service. Oh okay, yeah, go swear in with the Capitol Police now. Okay, we did that. Now what? So, we would do all of these things and then guard certain sectors of the Capitol building, uh, deal somewhat with protesters. Nothing ever too crazy. Yeah. Um, the craziest thing we had to do was, you know, shoo away a homeless person. Whatever, big whoop. Um, It was our our primary responsibility was just to look threatening, which I'm assuming we achieved because I was called a fascist multiple times by uh, by protesters. I was told to go get a life. I was told that I'm helping assist the inside job of the government to overthrow the current administration, which at that time was the Trump administration. Yeah. Didn't make any sense to me, but okay, whatever. Um, so now the craziest part about what we were doing is that we were working twelve hours per day. So at that time, uh, you know, after three or four days in, um, after working over a hundred hours, we finally got our hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. So, we finally get our hotel rooms. We sleep for maybe five hours after working over a hundred hours um with which by the way, I think I maybe got in twenty to twenty five hours out of that entire hundred hour span. Uh, I slept yeah i I slept extremely minimal the entire time I was there. so after three or four days on ground, we finally get our hotels. um we sleep in our hotels, take a nice shower, do laundry. Um, because originally, like I said, we were only packing for three days. three days. Yeah. Yes. So we only had one to two change of clothes, you know, three to four pairs of socks. We didn't have enough equipment to keep us sustained for over From a month. month. Yeah. So, uh, laundry was a big thing because we smelled like shit. Uh, you know, after working several hours out of the day in, in, in the cold and, and just like walking around, you're going to sweat a lot. You're just going to accumulate a lot of dirt. You're going to smell like shit. So we we did laundry, we took nice hot showers, passed out. Four hours later, five hours later, we were told to get back up, go back down because you're working another 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So it was like that for the next 30 days. You would work uh, 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. You would sleep from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., be back down in the hotel lobby at 10.30, be on the bus at 11.30 to start again at 2 in the morning. And it was like that every single day jesus grinding yes and so we would we were uh there was three times we were told we would have two days off or a day off each of those times we were screwed over or gypped out of our day off so we would you know chill out in the hotel room relax uh you know bog down six hours later seven hours later we were told okay change the plans we're going back out at four in the morning. And it was like that every single day. We never got a break. We were treated like shit. Um, Congressmen and senators wanted nothing to do with us. One or two of them approached us for pictures. That is about it. For the majority of the time, they avoided us. They didn't want to speak to us. They didn't want us in the Capitol building, which is another thing. Uh, If you guys were following the news, you would see that we were kicked out of the Capitol and put into garages. That was a big thing. Why? Because garages are concrete. It's cold. It's cold. It was not hot. There was a lot of just overall bullshit that was going on. Um, So being kicked out of the Capitol building to be put into into the Senate parking garage was, you know, just sort of like the icing on the cake. And I'm so very glad to the media that was there to capture it all. Because when we first got on ground, we were sleeping on marble floors. And so maybe one or two viewers that are watching this are prior military. So you will understand that soldiers are capable of sleeping anywhere, primarily in dirt holes, um, which dirt holes are a lot more comfortable than a marble floor, right? Mm, So you're sleeping on a cold marble floor. It's not comfortable. You're not going to get any sleep. So it was very uncomfortable. So the media, thankfully, picked it up, and we were sent cots, thousands of cots. Um, about the size of this table, actually. So it was really? it, it was better than marble floors. It wasn't exactly comfortable. But it was a lot better than the marble floors I was we sleeping on. So we got to those marble floors for, you know, or we got off the marble floors for however long, and then, bam, another thing happens. Oh, you're getting kicked out? Why? We don't know. Just leave. Pack up all of our shit to get kicked out to these cold Senate parking garages. We're about, you know, two or three blocks away from the Capitol. So... And thankfully, the, like I said, the media was there to capture the fact that we were getting booted out of the Capitol to go sleep in garages. Um, so as soon as they put that out there, that why did you call upon the National Guard, and and you're and then you're forcing him to sleep like farm animals, like in parking garages. And so within four hours of that of that being published, we were back in the Capitol in a nice heated facility, at least at the very least it was heated um, because temperatures at times were reaching you know. 10 degrees, 15 degrees. It was obliterating cold. Yeah. And packing for three days, you're not gonna be packing a lot of cold weather gear. So a lot of these people were just wearing the bare uniform. So people were freezing. And I mean, genuinely freezing. Every time I would finish up my 12 hour shift, I would take off my gloves and they would be very bright pink. My hands are just very, very bright pink. Yeah. And it would be ridiculous. I could barely move my hands. We were just in the freezing cold for 12 hours. Like it's. it was, it was just getting so ridiculous. And after the inauguration, there was no threat, no sign of threat. But for some reason, we were still kept there. we No one knew why. We didn't know why. Our leadership didn't know why. But for some reason, we still had to work those 12 to 24-hour shifts in those stupid conditions, dealing with stupid people. So overall, the entire 30-day span that we were there was just...
0: Oh, we are going to take a small break. Um camera overheated for a bit oh. <laughs> so we will be back and we are back sorry about the overheating problem um but you know it happens technology can't go on forever so um uh, last off we left off was when you got back into the capital right and thankfully because of the media yes. and there was actually some heating for a change
1: He's yes, that, right? so. Yes. so uh, we got out of the garages, thankfully. They put us back into the Capitol building. Um, but the overarching shittiness was still there. We were still working 12 hours a day. So my friend and I actually did the math. Um, we were working 126 hours a week, and we were getting paid $2.50 per hour. Jeez, man. Yeah, so to put everything into perspective, working almost 130 hours a week, getting only 2 an hour working, you know, just nonstop, getting practically no sleep, uh, barely going to the hotel um, that you were assigned to. It just all meshed together to be very, very shitty. And it doesn't necessarily make sense, right? Because we were asked to be put out there essentially on a favor. Like, they're like, hey, can you please help us out? Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, the, the Senate Majority Leader, were begging for the National Guard assistance when the events occurred on January 6th. Well, they got their assistance. They didn't treat us like they were, you know, they were thankful for us. The people that actually treated us the best were the Capitol Police, and I sincerely mean that. They were walking up to us every single day and thanking us for being there. Uh, And and they genuinely meant it. They are like, hey, man, I just want to thank you guys for being here. It actually does help a lot. Um, and we really appreciate you guys here. Yeah. Never heard that from any of the congressmen or congresswomen or senators that we were out there to protect. Our mission, our core mission was to protect these people. Not once did they ever thank us or offer any sort of assistance or anything. They watched us. They were actually the people, the very people that kicked us out of the Capitol to begin with. Yeah. The people that we swore to protect were the people that kicked us out. They didn't treat us with any dignity or respect. What they did was get us a box of pizza every six days. What the hell is a box of pizza going to do for my mental well-being, my mental stability? Yeah. Not shit. It's not going to help me get out of here faster. It's not going to help answer any of the questions that we may have about what the hell we're doing here. But here, here's your pizza party. Like what? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They think that's the only way to make a soldier happy. Apparently, is through food. Yeah. Not the case. It's kind of like it's kind of like treating
0: you basically like. it's a fuck way, a fucked up way of saying it, but you know how like in a typical work environment or like um, the school system, right? They're like, oh, they're rebelling or oh, they're not having a good time. Let me just get them some pizza. Type of thing. Absolutely. And, and they yes. expect it to be like the same thing. Yep. But no, like you're grown ass adults. Yes. You're defending the capital. Yes. Like they should know the human rights and stuff like that. that, <laughs> that dude, that, that's just messed up. Cause like I, I, I don't really keep up with the news. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just basically was updated from when, when you texted and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or like, like whenever like something big happens type of thing. I'm like, dude, yeah, that, like, this is messed up. And it comes to show how like in society, right. People you don't know what people are going through because like you expect that you guys are soldiers. You're defending the capital like to be treated as you're supposed to be treated with the right accommodations. Like Mm -hmm. you're saving these hours. Like you need the accommodations on top of that while you're doing it. Yes. But it's kind of like, Oh, they're thinking of you as like, bots basically exactly yes. because uh, the, i mean i get those hearings and stuff like that and i always try to give the benefit of the doubt but it's like you know i he also i hear the stories of like yeah when they treat training to be in the marines or like the military it's like they're literally treating
1: you like a robot like Absolutely. you need to think like
0: a robot you just need to listen to orders and do it yep type of thing and but, that
1: that is the mindset um and i and i get some of the reasoning behind it because there are a lot so the military is big right there's a lot of people in the military yeah um in the marines um there's not so many, uh, but they do um, have, I think, active duty numbers are around 300,000. Mm. And just to put that in perspective, um, so the Marines have 300,000 active duty. The American Army has 1.1 1. 1 million active soldiers. Oh. So just to put that in perspective. Um, now, and, and the whole reason for, you know, just shut up and follow orders is because um, in, in, in primarily— in, in, like, the Marines, you have people fresh out of high school that are were barely getting by. Not to say, you know, people in the military are dumb. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life are in the Army or yeah. the military in general. Yeah. So, and, and the whole just overarching idea of shut up and listen and just follow what you're supposed to do is, is sort of just like a protective nature for themselves. Uh, they don't want people to do anything stupid. Yeah. Um, so rather than you have something, do some, you rather than you doing something stupid, we'll have someone with experience tell you what to do to prevent you from doing something stupid. So that's the whole idea behind it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, however, in a mission like we were just on in, in the Capitol, uh, you know, defending D.C., you don't need to treat us like that. We're all, like you said, adults. We all have full-time jobs. We all know what we're doing. We all know why we're here. Yeah. So the fact that they treated us like consistent dog shit was very disrespectful, and it shows what they think of the military, to be completely frank with you. They don't really care about the military. They don't care about the people in the military. They just care about your presence there. They care the fact that you're there protecting what you said you would, and the fact that you look intimidating. And I guess we did do our job because there was no protest while we were there, and if there were protests, it was extremely minimal. Nothing... Out of the ordinary. Um, Everyone has the right to free speech. So if you want to protest, please feel free to do so. Um, But the whole reason for us there is, you know, don't fuck with me. Do not ever come back here is the whole idea behind it. Yeah. So they don't care how they treated us. They don't give a shit as long as the message was sent across. And I'm assuming with no protests that it was sent across. Yeah.
0: And that's the crazy thing because I learned a lot about this with like, and I'm pretty sure you learned about it in the classes too, because I didn't know you double majored in sociology as well. Mm-hmm. So like I majored in psychology and minored in sociology and like some of the lessons that we learned, like the Milgram experiment or like the, the prison experiment, yes. um, the shock experiment and stuff like that. Is like, mm-hmm. I, I keep on thinking of that with like what you guys went through, right? It's like, it's to kind of like just serve a purpose. And then there's like a hierarchy of, um, power type of thing and like yeah. alright, like you you're just here to do your job, so just do your job. Like there's mm-hmm. no there's no point in me praising you because you're supposed to be doing this anyways. Right. But it's kind of like that's taking rid of like the human feeling of like, yo, like I have like sure I did put it in my time to enlist to do these type of stuff, but like this is still my time. I'm still putting my body, I'm putting yes. my mental state and bringing taking the time out of my
1: day to make sure you're safe. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Absolutely. So now the one thing about uh, being in the army um, and and doing all the things that I've done is that it has taken a toll on my body um, mentally uh, and physically, primarily physically. So I do have a bad knee, my left knee to be specific. Uh, It is a little bit weaker uh, than my right knee. So sometimes if I'm working out, if I'm going on a jog, it will have a very sharp pain, uh, which is very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, or if I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting, um, it, it, it becomes a very sharp pain, sometimes almost unbearable. Um, where I have to put like a, a knee strap and, and wrap it up and sort of just rest it for the next few hours. Yeah. Um, and I also have a bad hearing, uh, in my left ear. So, um, every year, uh, in the national guard, we do our physical, our like physical assessment of your physical capabilities. Yeah. And so I, since I've been in for five and a half years, almost six years at this point, um, I'm able to see, um, where I, where I was when I first enlisted back in uh, 2015 or 2014, Mm -hmm. uh, to where I am now. Um, and I can just see, especially my hearing, a gradual decline, um, in, in my hearing, especially in my left ear. Yeah. Um, and do you know, are you familiar with tinnitus? Uh, like the, the constant ringing in your ears? Yes yes, yeah. yes, yes, Yes. So I do have tinnitus, unfortunately. Uh, oh, and no. It com- yeah, and it comes here and there, uh, primarily in when I'm in, like, a loud setting. Uh, in, like, concerts, it'll just happen. So I have to wear uh, hearing protections
0: uh-huh.
1: if I'm going to concerts and things like that. Um, so I, I did have unfor- an unfortunate amount of physical um, detriment, I guess, to my body. Um, and it's going to gradually grow worse as I continue my career in the army. Uh, but thankfully I am out in about a year now. So tough. tough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Crazy dude. Uh, wow. Is there anything else that you want to say? Cause I, I wouldn't expect all that to ha- have happened. And I'm just like, thank you for your service and thank you for defending the capital and, um, because I thought they were going to get you guys out. Honestly, after Joe Biden
1: was inaugurated, no, people are still there. People will continue to be there until June.
0: Until June? Yes. Dang, because I thought it would be set after like after that, like maybe a week after he got. That's what thing. we thought too, but no, that's crazy. No, not well, at all. I'm glad that you're back. <laughs> I am glad <laughs> and, to and be back. Doing your own thing. Um, but any final thoughts or tips that you want to give out to our audience out here? Um, just about life in general or, like, things that you learned that, you know, because you already gave a lot of tips, but I guess (laughs) basically to keep on pushing because, you know, people around our age are still struggling with mental health and, like, just figuring things out, especially with COVID or and maybe not getting that job after they Mm -hmm.
1: graduate, you know. It's really hard out there, I think, even now. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, The one thing I do want to say about mental health is that it may seem like everyone – that you know, and even yourself has some sort of mental disability or, or, or depression. Um, and to that, I say that don't be ashamed of, of, you know, saying that, yes, I am depressed. Yes, I am mentally not stable at this time. It may seem like people in our generation have more mental disabilities than previously said in other previous generations. That isn't, necessarily a bad thing it just means we're better at identifying these mental disabilities you know we we have better methods to capture and and identify these sort of things so don't feel as if you know this is a very common thing it it probably has been common for however long you know for however many years it's it's just being better sought out now with better treatment So don't be afraid to, you know, come out and say, yes, I'm not feeling the best. Yes, I am perhaps depressed. It's okay. It's completely okay to, you know, acknowledge that fact. Because once you acknowledge it, you can act upon it, right? Can't act upon it if you don't acknowledge it. So the first step in that is to acknowledge it. My final thoughts and my piece of advice would be if you're in college, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're in high school, you know, just keep on chugging on, keep on, keep on driving, uh, keep on trying to do what you want to do. Don't ever worry about money. Uh, yes, money is a big thing, uh, but don't ever let it affect what you truly want to do in this world. Um, because why, uh, if you're seeking after jobs that are paying the big bucks, but it's not necessarily what you want to do, you will never truly be happy with what you're doing. You will always try to seek something else to make you happy, whether it be something on the creative side, maybe a a completely new career uh, that tries to pay the same. But my point being is, is just go for things that make you happy. The money will come eventually just, you know, keep on doing what you got to do. Uh, to keep happy the most important thing in this world is time which we don't ever have enough of you know uh we're sitting here doing this podcast we're never going to get that time back so you know take value in the time that you're spending with people you know be mindful with who you're spending it with yep time is is the most valuable currency in this world so
0: yep and all those advice i have to say the same thing all very fucking spot on Mm -hmm. love it ogz um thank you for being here again. Please uh, plug your socials for all the people out there, ladies, he's single. Um, (laughs) I'll put it down in the link below, and as soon as he shouts it
1: out, I'll put it right here in the edit. All right, yeah, so I got everything is practically the same. My Instagram, my Twitter is just my first and last name, Omar Galani. Uh, You can find me on Tinder. Uh, I don't know if that's a username thing. You'll just see me there, so... With, actually, uh, Mr. Vinny's pictures that he just took of me recently. Oh, yes, sir.
0: DMV girl, hit him up. Instagram, DM him right now. He is available. This man is defending our country and doing multiple things at once. All right, thank you again for coming on the podcast, Omar. really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yep, I look forward to maybe future podcasts with you and stuff absolutely, like that. Absolutely, it, Because if anything from today, it just made me learn that we could talk about a lot. Absolutely, yes. Yes, sir. So thank you guys for coming in and tuning on to this podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please remember to like, please like, follow, subscribe, and hit the ding of the notifications bell so you know when we're uploading new videos. If you're following us on Spotify or Apple Music, please follow us. And share it with friends so you can know about more things. If you have any type of suggestions or new subjects that you want to hear about, please don't be, feel free to DM me personally on my socials, which is going to be in the link below or email me as well. Once again, thank you for being here. Peace out.